0: So here is something I need to admit right from the start. Advent is weird. Today is not technically the first Sunday of Advent. Um, For all you liturgics aficionados out there, technically today is Christ the King Sunday. But it's okay. I promise it's okay. We are starting our own observance and celebration of Advent today. So Advent is a four-week season where we wait and anticipate the coming of the Savior. We remember what it was like for Israel to wait for their Messiah as we prepare to remember and celebrate the Messiah's birth. But boy, oh boy, is it kind of weird. The first thing is that it's been Christmas since about mid-October. All right, that might be hyperbole, but I know for a fact that Walmart has had a Christmas section up since before Halloween. The halls of the malls have been decked for weeks, and uh, the town of Occoquan, is it Christmased out yet? It's beautiful. Right now. It used to be that Wash FM would wait until the day after Thanksgiving to start with their Christmas music. No longer. And I was on a cruise that left New York on November 10th, and it was all a uh, very merry time uh, Christmas cruise from Disney. So thank you very much. Um, we've already met Santa. Two weeks before Thanksgiving. And here we are, weeks after everyone in our culture has decided it's Christmas time, holding up a sign and saying, WAIT! So here's the other weird thing about Advent. The scripture reading for the first Sunday of Advent always begins with, quote, Jesus said, end quote. Isn't it strange to begin a four-week season that's all about waiting for Christ to be born to begin with things that Christ said? No one else finds that weird? Anyway, I'm going to begin in an equally weird way. But before I tell you what that weird way is, I have to talk about the final book of the Bible. And yes, this too is weird, because here we are talking about what it was like for Israel to wait for their Messiah, and I'm starting it not with the Old Testament, which would be about Israel waiting for their Messiah, but with the final book of the Bible, which is seemingly about what happens at the end, but I promise it's about the Messiah, and let me show you. In Revelation 12, it says, A great sign appeared in heaven. "'A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, "'and a crown of twelve stars on her head. "'She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. "'Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon "'with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. "'Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth.' The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. But she gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1,260 days. So what the seer is seeing And reporting here is a way of retelling the story about the birth of Christ. We're going to tell and retell the story that the Gospels tell of the birth of Christ over the next few weeks. And the Gospels tell the story as it happened here on earth. But part of what we believe as Christians and the crux of Advent itself is that the birth of Christ isn't just the birth of a baby. And it's not even the birth of a great man the way we might talk about the birth of George Washington. No, this was not merely a great man, a great teacher, an important figure that was born. The significance of this birth is not purely historical. So what we see presented here in Revelation is a retelling of the birth of Christ that attempts to signify the meaning of this birth. We are taken into the heavens where not just any woman is about to give birth, but the woman, clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet. Now, this was written in a pagan culture. And if this woman is talked about in ways that uh, are similar to Greek and Roman mythology, there's a reason for that. This is done to convey meaning. This woman is important. This pregnancy is important. The birth is important. She is crying out in labor pains. And just as she is about to give birth, a dragon appears ready to steal and devour the child. Evil does not want this child to be born, does not want this child to grow. There's something about this baby that is going to be dangerous to the powers that the dragon serves. So the dragon is there to oppose the woman and the baby. But the woman gives birth, and the baby is saved, snatched up to God and his throne, so that he can rule over all the nations. The dragon will be dealt with, and the woman is hidden away, protected by God. Now, what is this all about? It's about a lot of things. It's about Moses, the baby who was destined to be killed by Pharaoh and was saved through tragedy. It's about Jesus, the baby who was destined to be destroyed by Herod, but was saved through tragedy. And it's about what it means for the Christ to come into the world, with the devil trying to stop the Christ from coming into the world, but God delivering Christ through the tragedy of the cross and the death of Christ. And what we see here is that there are many stories, but they all serve the one story the one story of God's redemption of the cosmos, the one story of light triumphing over dark, good triumphing over evil. This passage from Revelation presents this one story as a grand battle between the light and the dark that takes place in the heavens or in the stars. Wait a second. A great battle between the light and the dark taking place in the stars. I think I've heard another story like that before. Da 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 There we go. Star Wars can be another story that reminds us of the one story. And so this Advent, just as Revelation presents the birth of Christ as a war set in the stars, we'll look at Advent through the lens of, Star, of the Star Wars saga. See, it's not just because I wanted to wear Star Wars t-shirts to church. There's a biblical reason for it. Yeah, we're going with that. And so we're going to begin this morning with episode 6, Return of the Jedi. It's a weird place to begin. I told you Advent is weird. We're starting at the end, kind of. But it's all done so that we can understand why we as Christians in 2017 celebrate a season of waiting for Jesus. Return of the Jedi, and I hope I don't need to give a spoiler warning here. The movie came out in, what, 80-something? Um, anyways, spoilers. Uh, Return of the Jedi begins in a pretty hopeless place. Han Solo is frozen in carbonite and is being held captive by Jabba the Hutt. Luke has fled after having lost a battle against Darth Vader and is reeling from the revelation that Darth is Luke's father. If you didn't know that, I'm really sorry. (laughs) The Empire is building a new Death Star and seems like an impossible enemy to defeat. Literally the only hope at the beginning of Return of the Jedi is that we have two hours of movie left so something, you know, could happen could as we come to celebrate advent this year there are reasons to despair our country is more polarized than ever and we are losing our ability to talk to one another natural disasters mass shootings and other tragedies have become a monthly event more and more we are becoming isolated in our relationships and have greater reason to fear one another We were created for relationship with God, with one another, and with the rest of creation. Those most basic relationships continue to get more and more and more and more out of whack. Our only hope is that God doesn't appear to be done with us yet. Our only hope is that God has more story to tell. Into this, we hear a promise. "'Into this we hear a faint cry of hope. "'Into this we heard the, hear the words of Jesus saying in Mark. "'But in those days, following that distress, "'the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. "'The stars will fall from the sky "'and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. "'At that time, people will see the Son of Man "'coming in the clouds with great power and glory.'" And he will send his angels and gather his elect from the four winds, from the ends of the earth to the ends of the heavens. Now this, now learn this lesson from the fig tree. As soon as its twigs get tender and its leaves come out, you know that summer is near. Even so, when you see these things happening, you know that it is near, right at the door. Truly, I tell you, this generation will certainly not pass away until all these things have happened. "'Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. "'But about that day or hour no one knows, "'not even the angels in heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. "'Be on guard, be alert. "'You do not know when that time will come. "'It's like a man going away. "'He leaves his house and puts his servants in charge, "'each with their assigned tasks, "'and tells the one at the door to keep watch. "'Therefore keep watch, "'because you do not know when the owner of the house will come back.' whether in the evening or at midnight, or when the rooster crows or at dawn. If he comes suddenly, do not let him find you sleeping. What I say to you, I say to everyone, watch. We begin this Advent with a vision of the second coming. We begin this Advent talking about the return of the Jedi, return of Jesus. You see, the narrative action in Return of the Jedi moves forward when we see Luke coming back having completed his training. We see him not as someone being trained or someone rushing headstrong into the fray before he is ready. We see him as the warrior savior we hoped he would become and what we needed him to be in the first two movies. We finally see Luke as someone ready to be the ultimate hero, with power that's up to the task. He rescues Han, Leia, and the rest of his friends. A grand plan comes off without a hitch, and the band is back together, ready to take out the empire once and for all. And at that point in the movie, we know that somehow, some way, this small band of rebels will bring down the evil empire. We know that the emperor will get his. We know that Luke will find a way to win this war. But here's the thing, and for this, here's the thing. I'm going to go way deep into the first task of the movie, which is to save Han Solo, and I promise you, if you really don't like Star Wars, there will be a part of the sermon that's not about Star Wars. Just be patient. I promise. When Luke arrives at Jabba's temple, Leia is already there. Lando is already there. Chewie er, is already there. The droids are already there. Everyone is already there except Luke. And if Leia and Lando and Chewie and the droids had tried to rescue Han without Luke, you know they couldn't do it. They knew they couldn't do it. And if the Luke of New Hope or Empire shows up, you know that they can't do it. They need Jedi Luke. He's the thing that ensures that the plan, the efforts of the others will be successful. Am I right? Star Wars people. And as they go forward after rescuing Han, the only reason for hope that there might be a different narrative to the rebellion than Empire Strikes Back is the fact that Luke really is a Jedi now. Luke has arrived, Luke has entered into the fullness of his powers. And because of that, that might make the difference in defeat and victory. We too find ourselves working and planning and trying to do good in the world. We want to rescue people from despair we want to rescue people from poverty we want to rescue people from spiritual death we want to free people from the things that trap them we want people to find life healing wholeness and vitality we are in position we are ready to spring into action we are ready to get fight against the spiritual forces of wickedness that keep people trapped hurting and dying but on some level we know that if we fight in our own strength we will not be successful. We know that on some level, if we go about this our own way, we will fail. We cannot contend against the Jabas of our world, let alone the evil empire. We know that we cannot take down all the, that holds our friends, our family, our neighbors, our coworkers, our children back without help. We know that on some level, we are fighting a losing battle unless, unless, unless we have a Jedi, unless there is another force at work in the universe, unless God himself, God incarnate, is coming into our world, or for us, unless God incarnate is coming back into our world. So I know that I've used this quote before, but a mentor of mine once said in an Advent sermon, we are indeed surrounded by signs of darkness, of despair, and of hopelessness in our world. But as baptized Christians, as those who have been entrusted with the signs of the kingdom, we do not live according to the way things are in the world. We live according to the way things ought to be, because we know that's the way things will be, because Jesus Christ is Lord. Now, I'm sorry for recycling quotes. I haven't even been here long enough to recycle quotes. But this is what Advent is all about, and it's why we begin Advent with words of the second coming of Christ we all find ourselves surrounded by signs of darkness, despair, hopelessness. Not unlike the beginning of Return of the Jedi, we find ourselves stuck in the midst of a seemingly hopeless situation where the Empire is just going to keep winning. But we don't live according to that narrative. We have a different script. We have a different story. In our script, in our story, the light we know that the light wins. In our script, in our story, we know that good wins. In our script, in our story, we know that if we work and toil, if we strive for good, it will not be in vain. In our script, in our story, we know that if we go into battle for the side of healing and wholeness, for the flourishing of all people, for the side of love and happiness and joy and altruism, we fight for the winning side. We have a code for this story for this script, for this narrative, for this way of thinking. We have a code for what it means to fight for things that are good, just, noble, and beautiful. We have a code for what it means to fight for our side. And that code is, Jesus Christ is Lord. Advent is when we remember that Jesus Christ, the baby born in a barn in Bethlehem, is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, who holds the universe together we remember that not any ruler, not any emperor, not any president can bring us salvation, only Jesus Christ. And we remember in the midst of a life spent living and fighting in darkness that Jesus Christ will return to defeat all the sin and death and evil that still exists in our world. One day our King, one day our Christ will come back. And as we await his return, We still work to free as many of our friends and family and people in our circles from the carbonite of sin that ensnares and entraps. This Christmas, Jesus Christ comes anew and can come anew in your heart and in the heart of someone you care about. Who can you bring to Jesus? And to whose life can the Christ child be born? Jesus Christ is Lord. So as we wage our war against the forces of evil and darkness, we do so in confidence that the battle is won because Jesus Christ is Lord. Let us pray. Almighty and all living God, in this season, the days are getting darker. There are mornings when we wake up in darkness and we go home in darkness. There are evenings when we watch the news and all we see is darkness. But God, what Advent and Christmas teach us, what you teach us, is that our world is not dominated by darkness. Instead, our world is dominated by your light that is coming more and more and more. God, this this Advent season, help that light come more and more into our hearts. Help that light come more and more into our souls. We, as the church, we as Christians, are keepers of the signs of Advent. Open our eyes to see signs of your coming here in our world, here in our lives. And as your light comes more and more into our hearts and souls and lives, help us be a part of your light breaking through into our world. Let your light shine through us so that others can be led, like the wise men, to the place where Christ lays. Help us to see signs in our world That can point others, people who are still trapped in sin and darkness, people who are still trapped in their spiritual carbonite, to the place where the Christ child lays. All this we pray in the name of the one who is to come. Amen.